First Peter, First Epistle of Peter. We'll be looking at the first epistle and the second epistle of Peter tonight. Some things that God calls precious. God doesn't call very many things precious in his Bible, but he does call some things precious, and he mentions those things in days of apostasy, in days when the darkness has come, God's people's under persecution during the days of the writing of the Apostle Peter as he writes to a people that are under suffering and persecution and God names some things that's precious. In fact, many of the ones to whom uh, the Apostle Peter wrote died at the stake. Some of them were uh, put out uh, where the lions came their bones, some were tied to the stake and burned, some were put to the rack and pulled in two, some were, their feet was tied to a chariot uh, on this side and the head was tied to a chariot on that side and then the chariots would run in opposite directions. He was writing to a people under apostasy. We all have memories that are precious to us. Perhaps they're not precious to anyone else, but they are to us. I, I have something, just one thing my dad had, and uh, it came down to me as a chain. And it's uh, about so long, and it's made out of wood. He took one piece of wood and carved a chain this wood. It doesn't mean much to anybody else, but it does to me. It's something of my dad's, and I kept it. And uh, it has memories connected with it. The word precious, as is used in the Word of God, means costly, beloved, very dear. There are few things that God calls precious. And they're found here in these two epistles of Peter. If anybody knew what it was to be under suffering, the Apostle Peter knew. He had been down the, the road of suffering. So he writes to, in the first epistle, about Christians and suffering. In the second epistle, he writes about days of apostasy and darkness just before the coming of the Lord and in the midst of this apostasy that he writes about is coming upon the earth he mentions these five things that God calls precious now I'm looking at verse 7 of the first chapter look at it 1 Peter 1 7 he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now what's he saying? He's saying the trials of a Christian is precious. Does that 
saying. The trials of a Christian, perhaps you're going through some trial tonight as you come to this service and you're a child of God. Did you know that the trials of a Christian are precious in the eyes of God? Trials test our faith and uh, they come to us for three reasons, says the scriptures. Number one, to silence Satan. They come to us to silence Satan. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? First chapter of Job. When the angels come up to make their report, uh, the devil has to go up and make his report, Job chapter 1. And when the angels are making their report of what's going on in the earth to Almighty God at his throne, the devil has to come up and make his report. And he comes there many times to accuse us. And God, through trials, puts to silence Satan. In the days of Job, you have an illustration of it, and the devil appeared there and he said, Why, look at Job, you give him everything in the world. If you just take away some of the things he has, he, he'd curse you. He's serving you of what he can get out of you. And God proves that a Christian doesn't serve him for what he can get out of him. Everything was gone from Job, and and uh, I mean everything. Have you read the book of Job? And he said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. To silence Satan, trials come. There's a second reason that they come, that we might have sympathy with others. Jesus said to one of his disciples, and he, he said it to this one that wrote uh, this epistle, these two epistles we're looking at, and he said to him, when thou art converted, when you turn about, he said, when trials have hit you and you uh, are, go through them and you're turned about, you're converted, he said, uh, Strengthen your brother. Help your brother. You know, a, a man that's been along the road, he can uh, tell you something about it, can't he? <laughs> Experience is a part of it, isn't it? Have you ever noticed over at the funeral parlor when uh, there's someone just comes and they, do, they don't say a word. They just come and, uh, and they're there. They grab your hand and they hold your hand and they... Uh, shake hands with you and perhaps they never say a word but you know that person's been along that road and after they leave you say well, well what they said was a great blessing to me <laughs> perhaps they didn't say anything but you knew they'd been down that road there's a third reason that trials come and that's to fill up what is lacking in our Christian experience Hold your place here in the epistle of Peter and let's go over to James chapter 1 verse 12. For here it is, trials come to fill up that which is lacking in our Christian experience. Were it not for trials, we'd never grow. So God sends the trials. He says in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth 
temptation or trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And while you're passing through this world, you'll be sifted, you'll have some suffering, and perhaps some sorrow, but it'll all be for your good and to God's glory. Let me stop you long enough to say, not one trial would ever touch you unless God orders it. Do you hear me now? Not one trial would ever touch you unless God orders that. And when he does, it's for your good. Time you're going through it, you think, well, I'll be glad when this is over. <laughs> but once you get through it, you look back and say, thank you, God, for what you were doing. You've made me stronger. When I come out on the other side, I'm stronger for it. So, this is called precious. Trials are called precious by God in his Bible. <clears throat> the trials of a child of God. And then in this first chapter, look, look at verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Here's something else that's precious. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. In verse 19 it says, But with the precious, there it is, But with the precious blood of Christ, As of a lamb without blemish, And without spot, Who verily was foreordained, Marked out ahead of time, Before the foundation of the world, But was manifest in these last times, For ye. Now, He's saying that the blood of Christ is precious to God. The blood of Christ. We cannot describe the preciousness of this blood. It is the coin that paid the debt for us. The sin debt. We don't understand all about this, but it's precious to God and it, it redeems us unto God. It redeems souls. Hold your place there and go to the Psalms. Psalm 49, verse 7 and 8. Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> In Psalm 49, verse 7, listen to what he says. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceases forever. He's saying that the soul is precious and so is the blood that redeems it. So is the redemption price. And so uh, I would say tonight <clears throat> that we make no apology for making much of the blood here at Lyle Memorial Church. We make no apology for doing that. I tell you why. Because God makes much of the blood. Cannot turn anywhere in this book without running into it. You run into it everywhere you turn the Bible. It's a bloody book. It, it has blood in it. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is pure and powerful and precious. 
precious. Abraham in the Bible is called the friend of God. David, a man after God's own heart. Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles and a preacher and a missionary. But never before that occasion in the waters of Jordan did God declare himself by saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. In Christ flowed the pure, perfect, precious, powerful blood that redeemed us. In Jesus Christ, in that one, that one, precious unto God is the blood of Jesus Christ. Precious. And then I want you to look at the second chapter. Second chapter in verse 7. <coughs> Trials are precious. The blood is precious. Look at verse 7, the second chapter. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Jesus is precious. And unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. Now he's saying in this verse that Jesus Christ is precious to all of those that are saved. Let me stop and ask you tonight. Is Jesus precious to you? Is he precious to you? That name, does it mean something to you? Jesus Christ is our foundation. He's our friend. He's our future. He's this precious. He's more precious than life, death. What would heaven be without Jesus? What would it be? Nothing. Oh, my friend, listen. Jesus Christ is precious. He's precious. He's precious to everyone that really knows him. So tonight I would urge you, get your eyes off of man. Man will disappoint you every time. You get your eyes on some man and you you look at that man and say, well, that's one of the greatest men I, you know, or greatest women, you know, and you keep your eyes and you know you'll be disappointed. Listen, get your eyes on Jesus. He never disappoints. Keep your eyes on him. Yes, Jesus is precious. Let's go to the second epistle now. Chapter 1 and verse 4. <clears throat> or chapter 1 and verse 1. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Here's something else. Jesus is precious. And then the Christian faith is precious. Now look at it. As he introduces the second epistle. Simon Peter. I'm glad he put his name at the beginning of his letters. <laughs> you know when they wrote a letter in those days they always signed a name to start with. I've got letters and no names on them, you know. They wouldn't sign them, you know. I got a file full of them. That's right. 
Simon Peter. He signed his name. He wasn't ashamed of his letter. Simon Peter, a servant, is actually a bond slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that have attained like precious faith. Like precious faith. He's talking about uh, the body of truth now that we believe. The body of truth. All of these great truths that we believe. How Jesus was sinless. How he was virgin born. How he lived a sinless life. How he performed miracles. How he walked upon this earth, became a man. How he uh, uh, preached as a prophet what he said. How he died. How he went into the tomb and came out the third day. How he ascended and above 500 saw him as he left the ground going upward. And how he's gone yonder to intercede for us. And how he shall return again back to this earth. I should put down sin and set up his kingdom for a thousand years and how he shall turn all the wicked into hell. The body of truth that we believe. Did you know if you do not believe what the Bible says about it, you do not actually believe in the real Christ? That's what I was preaching this morning. It's not a Christ of your imagination. It's the Christ the Bible presents. And so the Christian faith is precious to us. That's why that we stand firm upon it. That's why we cannot move from it. It matters not who may uh, move from it. We dare not. Our Lord told us not to. We dare not. We do not compromise it for a friend or a foe or a dollar bill. We must stand on what the word of God has to say what it says the faith is precious it's precious faith it's precious did you know this Bible you hold upon your lap tonight has come into our hands and you would handle it with care if you knew how many precious people of God died that you might have it tonight did you know that? Did you know the man who translated in, into your language so you could read it? They wasn't satisfied in killing him. They dug up his body and burned him and then scattered what was left upon a river and let it run with the water. All he did was put it in a language so you could read it. This old book's been hated. Men have burned it. They've cut it to pieces. They've tried to do away with it. Now listen, it'll be around the preacher's funeral. You can't get rid of it. But it's precious faith. And the old time faith is more precious than ever before to God's dear people. It really is. And then there's one more, and that's found in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. <clears throat> verse 
for. The promises of God are precious. Somebody mentioned that in their testimony tonight. Look at verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. There it is. Whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers or partners of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now what's he saying? He's saying the promises of God are precious. The promises of God. Did you know anywhere you turn in this old book and you read one of God's promises you can depend on it? You ever had somebody tell you something you couldn't depend on it? You wondered about it? You know, sometimes they were faithful to what they said and other times they wasn't. You know, whatever God says, you can depend upon it. Whatever he says to believers, all the promises to the believers, you can depend upon it. And all of the threats out of this book to those that are wicked and unsaved, you can depend upon it. Whatever he says. Great, mighty promises. <laughs> Great and mighty promises. How precious is the promises of God to his people. Yes, there's some things God calls precious. They're dear. And they were given to a group of people just like you who lived at a time when they were under persecution by the government and put to, put to death because of their faith. And God spoke to the apostle Peter had him to pin these words down for them. Did you know just at the time the Lord, uh, just at the time that you need sustaining grace, he gives it. He gives it. Somebody said to Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody, <clears throat> I sure would like to have dying grace. He said, you don't need dying grace. You need living grace. When you come down to die, you'll need dying grace. See, God gives it at the time you need it. And he'll give sustaining grace to help you. Are you looking at something tomorrow that you think maybe you not, might not get through? Well, let me tell you. God can give you strength to get through it. He can help you through it. Now, I know. I know. I've been on the mountaintop <clears throat> and I've been in the briar patch. And I testify tonight that God is able. He's able. And He's willing. My, what a great God He is. Brother Blake, that song that you're always singing about, God is good. I'm telling you, He is. He is. Head bowed and their eye closed.
your hand and say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. If I died in the condition I'm in now, I know I'd go to heaven. Would you put up your hand? Just put it up. If you know that for certainty, yes. Put your hands down. We do pray that that certainty will come about in your 